Today my message is entitled, Prepare for Judgment Day. I thought, well, that's a bit ominous, isn't it? Uh, but uh, as we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus talked a lot about Judgment Day. Even though a lot of people don't preach about what Jesus taught about Judgment Day, we are just going through the Gospel of Luke and what is there uh, we preach about. So, if a person doesn't prepare for Judgment Day, most likely you won't be ready for really the most important day of your existence. What is Judgment Day? Well, it's a day that's coming in the future when every human being who's ever lived will be judged by King Jesus. We're going to talk about today. Acts 17.31, you can follow along in the white pages in the middle of your bulletin. It has the scriptures written out as well as the outline. It'll be up on the screen as well. Verse 31 says, Because God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So who is this man? It's Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the man that's going to be the judge on Judgment Day. And everyone is going to face this judgment. uh, Whether they are living at the time when Jesus returns or they have passed on before. Each and every person living and dead is going to face Judgment Day. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. And so God gives each person life. He's our creator. He gives us life to live on this planet for a certain span of years. We only die once. Now I know there's other religions that say you get reincarnated and you can come back as another person or as an animal or as an ant or whatever, but that is not the case. God's word tells us you die once, you get one shot at life, you die once, and after that you're going to face judgment. That applies to each and every person. What's going to happen on judgment day? Revelation 20 verse 12 tells us, it says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. So everything that we have done in this life, everything that we've thought, everything that we've spoken is being recorded in the books of heaven. It's written down there. And two basic things are going to happen for every person on Judgment Day. First of all, the book of life is going to be opened. In the book of life is recorded the names of each and every person who has believed in Jesus. Put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if your name is written in the book of life, then you're going to spend eternity with God in the kingdom of God. And if your name is not written in the book of life, it's missing from the book of life, then you're going to spend eternity not in the kingdom of God. You're going to spend eternity apart from God in the other place called hell. But you notice in this verse, these verses, or this was a long verse from the book of Revelation, 
There are other books. It's not just the book of life. And these other books contain the things that you have done, both good and bad. And so believers whose names are written in the book of life will also be judged by what is written in these other books, the things that they have done. And so some believers will receive more rewards and some will receive lesser rewards. They're still going to spend eternity with God in the kingdom of God, but the degree of rewards is going to be different based on how you lived your life here on this earth. In the same way, unbelievers will also be judged by what is written in the books. Even though they're going to spend eternity apart from God, what they have done in this life is going to determine their degree of punishment. And so in hell, some will receive greater torment than others. Now, for any person ending up with that fate in eternity, it's going to be a horrendous experience. But there are degrees of punishment in hell as well, the Bible tells us. So why should we think about Judgment Day? Why did Jesus talk about it so much? Well, because this life is our only chance to prepare. We've got one shot at life, one shot at preparing for Judgment Day. It's the life that we've been given. For most of us, 70, 80 years on earth is our lifespan, but we don't know. Could be shorter, could be longer. But as we think about Judgment Day, God will help us to prepare. God will help us to get ready for it. To prepare for Judgment Day, we must live being faithful servants of Jesus Christ. And so as believers, believers are called to serve. Our passage in Luke today begins in Luke chapter 19, verse 11. It says, as they heard these things, he, that's Jesus, proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So in this section of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is traveling to the capital city of Israel, Jerusalem. Many of his followers believed rightly that he was the Messiah. And they thought, the Bible taught that the Messiah would be crowned king of Israel, defeat the Romans, and bring in the kingdom of God. And so they thought that as Jesus was journeying to Jerusalem, he was going to bring this to pass immediately, that their eyes would see this happen. And so Jesus told them this parable, this story that has spiritual meaning, spiritual significance about what is going to happen in the future. He told them this parable so they would understand that the kingdom of God was not going to come right then. It was going to come in the distant future. Verse 12, he said, therefore, this is Jesus, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. So in this parable, the nobleman refers to Jesus. That's who the nobleman is. And he's saying that he's going to return to heaven. And we see that happen at the beginning of the book of Acts. Jesus ascended back into heaven after he was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. 
And as he ascended into heaven, the scripture tells us he was crowned as king of kings and lord of lords. All authority was given to him. He received the kingdom. And in the future, he's going to return to this earth. We speak of that as the second coming of Jesus. He's going to come back. And when he comes back, history as we know it is going to end. And judgment is going to follow. In the meantime... Jesus is saying in this parable that he gives each of his servants ten minas so they could do business for him. Now notice these are his servants. These are people who are serving the noblemen, people who have given their lives to follow him, to do what he tells them to do. A mina is about three months of salary. It's a, it was a coin that was used Back in Jesus' day. And so the servants were not just to wait for the nobleman's return. They were not just to wait for him to come back. And they were supposed to do something. They were supposed to take these minas and do business. So they could reap a profit to give to the nobleman when he returned. Verse 14, but his citizens hated him, the nobleman, or Jesus, and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, the nobleman, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. So in this story, we've been talking about the servants, the ten servants who were given the money to do business with. Now, this passage is talking about citizens. Uh, These are people who are not servants of the nobleman. They knew of the nobleman, but they were not his servants. They didn't want to be his servants. They didn't want him to rule over them. They were rebelling against his authority. And those represent unbelievers today, who want nothing to do with Jesus. They want to live their lives the way they want to live them. And they do not want to submit to his authority, to his kingship. But now the story gets very interesting because Jesus begins to tell us what's going to happen when he returns. What happens next in this parable is going to give us insight into what is going to happen on Judgment Day. That each one of us is going to face. Again, oftentimes believers think that they will not face judgment day, but everyone is going to face judgment day. Each servant, each servant of this nobleman, each follower of Jesus is to give a report. And in this report, they're going to report to the king what they have done with the money that has been entrusted to them. What have they done with the money they had been given to do business with while he was away? And so the first principle that we're going to learn, that we are learning from what Jesus is teaching us in this parable, is that believers, followers of Jesus, servants of Jesus, which in the Greek literally means slaves of Jesus, is that we have 
a job to do. We are called to serve him in this lifetime. So let's talk about what that means for us today in a little more detail. These servants were given these minas, and those represent the resources that God has given to each and every one of us. In fact, in the prophetic word that was spoken this morning, it talks about the good gifts that God has given to us. Those are like the minas that were given to the servant. God has given each of us many good gifts. He's given us life. He's given us health. He's given us financial resources. He's given us jobs. He's given us our abilities, mental abilities, physical abilities. Everything good that we have in life has been given to us by God. And what God has given to us has not been given to us solely to spend or to use for ourselves. We are to do business for the king with what we have been given. In another scripture, it says we are to seek God's kingdom first. We are to be engaged in the business of life that God has called us to. We're to use the things that God has given to us to produce good things for the king and for his kingdom. So what does the life of a faithful servant of Jesus look like? It looks like the life of Jesus. You see, some of these things are so obvious that we don't ever think about him. But to follow Jesus is to be like him. To do the things that he did or would do. To say the things that he said or would say. We should use our resources to bring the lost into the kingdom. Talked about a few Sundays ago, Jesus came, he said, to seek and to save the lost. That should be our goal, our mission as well. To use the resources that God has given to us to bring more people into the kingdom of God so more people would follow Jesus. We should show his love to those around us as he did. We should demonstrate his miraculous power as he did to those around us. The bottom line is the king commands his servants to use the resources they have been given for his kingdom. And so believers are called to serve. So in Jesus' story now, he has returned in the story, speaking of when Jesus comes back to this planet, returns from heaven. The Bible tells us when he returns, every eye is going to see. There's not going to be time zones or anything. Everybody's going to know that the king has returned. And at that point, everyone's eternal destiny is sealed. There's no more chance to change your mind. You're either a believer or you're not. It's one or the other. And so we need to be ready for his return because after his return, what happens is the judgment. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Jesus is asking for an accounting of every servant. And so each person will be judged. So Jesus has asked his servants, these ten servants, to give an accounting of what they have done with the resources he has entrusted to them. Verse 16, the first, the first servant came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, 
Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. So the first servant came before Jesus, and he gave a report of what he had done with what he had been given. He'd done business with one mina, and he had produced ten minas. I think that's a thousand percent return. I'm not sure if I did my math right, but it was good. And Jesus said, well done. You've done what I've asked you to do. You've been a good servant. You've been faithful with really very little during this life. And you're going to now have a great authority in eternity. We don't want to get too far off, but the servant was going to have authority over ten cities. You see, eternity is not just going to be floating in the clouds, strumming harps. It's going to be much more exciting than that. In fact, most people's view of eternity is so far from what the Bible teaches that it's hardly recognizable. Heaven is going to come down to earth. Eternity is going to be spent in a renewed heaven and earth. As Jesus had a physical body that was capable of incredible things, so will we. And we're going to live on a renewed planet earth where heaven and earth have merged together. But that's a whole other topic. But here we get a hint of it. There's going to be cities in eternity. And people will have different responsibilities and different authority in eternity based on how they live their lives on this earth before Jesus returned. Verse 18, And the second servant came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. So the second servant invested or um, did business with the resources, the money that he had been given, which refers to all the things that we have been given, actually, not just financial resources. And he made an additional five minus, uh, 500% return. Not as much as the first servant, but still he had obeyed the master. He had done what he'd been requested to do. He didn't receive all the praise of the first servant, but he did receive the reward of being over five cities. He would be part of the kingdom of God, and he would have responsibility and authority in eternity as well. Of course, being over five cities is, seems pretty impressive to me. <laughs> uh, so it seems to be something very good. So we have the first two servants. They had done different things in their lives. One had been perhaps more productive than another, but they had both used the things that God had given to them to do business, and they obeyed their master. Well, now we come to the third servant. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept, laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. Well, this seems like a little different story, doesn't it, with the third servant? He calls the king, the nobleman, he calls Jesus Lord. He says, 
Lord. But he has a very different report. He has a lot of excuses in his report, but the bottom line is he did not do what the master asked him to do, did he? He was supposed to do business with the mina that he had been given. But rather than doing business, he hid it away. He didn't do anything with it. The reason he said that he hid it away was he was afraid. He was afraid of the king. I believe he was afraid that if he did business with this miner, he might lose it. <laughs> it's always, a, right, when you do business, you might lose what you invest. You might make some big mistake. And then he would have nothing. And he thought, well, the king will be really mad at me if I lose the miner. So I'm just not going to do anything with it. Big, big mistake. He played it safe, or so he thought. And so he gave Jesus back the mina, thinking that everything would be okay. But he had not obeyed the master at all. He'd done nothing with what he received. We're going to talk more about the judgment of this third servant in our next point. But each person is going to be judged at Judgment Day, by what they have done in their lives on earth. So as we said, the mina that each person or each servant received in this story represents, that, represents everything that God has blessed you with in this life. All the good gifts that you have in this life. There's a very similar story. You might want to look at it in Matthew chapter 25. It's a story. It's often called the story or the parable of the ten talents. And in this story, God gives different servants differing numbers of talents. You know, in this case, each servant got one mina. They're teaching slightly different things. Matthew 25, the different servants receive different numbers of talents. And that's teaching us that each one of us doesn't receive the same gifts from God, do we? Some people are blessed with Great talents in one area, and others are blessed with talents in another area. Some are blessed in other ways. Some are blessed greatly financially. Others are not as blessed financially. But we all have received good gifts from God. And how we use those gifts is going to be part of our judgment day. And those who use their gifts well for the kingdom of God are going to receive great re greater rewards in eternity. And those who use their gifts not as effectively or efficiently are going to receive lesser awards, rewards. And those who do not use their gifts for the kingdom at all, we're going to see, are going to be judged severely. And so each person will be judged at judgment day by what they have done in life. So judgment is going to bring reward or punishment. Reward or punishment. And we're going to look at what the king says to the third servant, beginning in verse 22. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. So Jesus now addresses this third servant who had not 
used what had been entrusted to him to do business with, as he'd been told to do. He tried to excuse himself, saying he was afraid of the master. And Jesus called him a wicked servant. Not a good sign on Judgment Day to be called a wicked servant. What had he done that was so wicked? Well, he'd been afraid. He not obeyed. He not believed that if he obeyed, good things would happen. He not used the resources he'd been entrusted with for Jesus. Even though he called him Lord, he did not follow him as Lord. He did not obey him as Lord. The king goes on, Jesus goes on to say to him, And why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him, from the third servant, and give it to the one who had, has the ten minas, the first servant. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. So Jesus told him, if you didn't know how to do business with what I'd given you, at least you could have put it in a bank and it's a safe way to get a little bit of interest for me. But you didn't even do that. And so the mina the third servant had was taken from him, so he had nothing, and was given to the first servant who had ten minas. Now those around say, hey, that, you know, that doesn't seem fair. Because this guy's got nothing now, and the other guys took his mina. Well, Jesus concludes in verse 26. He says, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. So Jesus concludes his story, his parable, with, with this general principle of the kingdom of God. Those who are faithful with what God has given to them in life, the good things that God has given to them, will be given more. In fact, that principle holds during life as well as at judgment day. If you're faithful to what God has given you in this life, he's going to give you more in this life. That's a whole other teaching. But the principle is broader than just about judgment day. And if you are not faithful with what God has given you in this life, he's going to begin taking away from you the things that you already had. And the same is true on Judgment Day. The fate of those who were not servants, remember these citizens of the noblemen who didn't want to acknowledge the authority of the king, well, they're going to be destroyed before him. Judgment brings reward or punishment. And so as we think about this parable, there are three different kinds of people that Jesus is talking about in this parable. The first two servants, servant one and servant two, represent people who are followers of Jesus Christ, people who are believers. They use the resources that God has given them in this life to serve the master, to do business for him, for the kingdom. And they will re be rewarded on Judgment Day uh, with eternal rewards and eternal responsibilities. The third servant represents someone who 
considered himself to be a follower of Jesus. He called Jesus Lord, but he did not obey him. He did not use the resources that had been given to him by God in this life for God. And that proved that he was not a true follower of Jesus. We see in the story that the third servant didn't have an accurate view of Jesus at all. That God was a cruel master, as it were, and that's why he couldn't trust him and he was afraid of him. He had a a distorted view of what Jesus was like. And Jesus called him a, a wicked servant. The words you don't want to hear on Judgment Day. His talent was taken away. Well, his minor was taken away. He had nothing to take with him into eternity. Now, in case we're not quite sure what happened to him, in this very similar story in Matthew 25, the story of the talents, there is a third servant there as well. And guess what? The third servant hid his talent, just like this servant hid his minor. He was also called a wicked servant. His talent was also taken away. And his end is more explicitly stated in Matthew 25. It says he was cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a description of hell. He did not spend eternity with God. And so the third type of people in this story. So those are the servants. uh, The first two spending eternity with, with God in the kingdom of God. The third servant spending eternity in hell. And then you have the third type of people in this story are people who've never acknowledged Jesus as Lord. They never acknowledged him as king. They didn't want anything to do with him. And of course, as you might expect, they're also going to be banished from his presence in eternity in a place called hell outside of the kingdom of God, a place of outer darkness, absolute darkness. And so judgment brings reward or punishment. So why should we think about such a topic? Well, first of all, Jesus told these things so that we might think about them. So we might think about them when we can apply them to our lives while we're still alive, before we face judgment, when there's no chance to change. And so the good news, if you're listening to this message, either in person or online, the good news is that you can make changes in your life to get ready for Judgment Day, beginning right now. If you're someone who's never committed your life to serve Jesus as your king, you can do that today. Don't put it off. Nobody knows for sure when your life is going to end. We all assume it's going to be 70, 80, 90 years, but it isn't for everybody. So be ready. None of us knows when we're going to face Judgment Day. If you're someone like the third servant, you think you're a believer. But if you're not obeying the king, if you're not using your life, the gifts that God has given you to serve the king, You need to commit your life to him as your Lord. Perhaps you need to recommit your life to him. The third servant called Jesus Lord, but he didn't follow him as Lord. That is a big, big difference. 
Those who are true followers of Jesus will use the gifts that he's given to us to serve him in this life. And finally, there are those here today are believers. You're like the first two servants. And the second servant should give us motivation to excel, to do everything we can to use the gifts that God has given to us for him. That we might, what's the word? I was going to use the word profit. Maybe, maybe that is a good word. That we might use the resources that God has given to us so that he might have a greater profit from what he has given to us. That we might give back to him more than we've been, been given because he has given us everything that we have to maximize the return for him. So my prayer is that each one of us, myself included, would take this message to heart, that we might live our lives in view of Judgment Day. That when we stand before the king, we'll be able to say, look, I've used everything that you've given me for you. Here are the results. And he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. Not only does God want each of us to prepare for Judgment Day, the knowledge of Judgment Day should be an encouragement, should be an impetus for us to talk to others, that they might be prepared for Judgment Day. Because many people around us are not prepared. They do not yet know Jesus. And we are the ones to tell them. So the first step in preparing for Judgment Day is to repent, to turn away from your sin, to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven, and to submit your life and everything you have to Him as your Lord. We're going to pray a prayer right now. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ before or you'd like to recommit your life to Him this morning, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Bow our heads. Father, today, I repent of my sin, the things that I've done wrong. I turn away from those things. I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. You paid the penalty for my sin. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I submit my life and everything that you've given to me, to you, as my Lord. I will serve you throughout this life as your servant, as your slave. Doing everything that you tell me to do to the best of my ability with the resources that you have given to me. Let's pray as well. Father, today we thank, thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that even though this is a hard or difficult parable or teaching, it's there for a reason. We thank you for letting us consider it this morning, think about it. May we take it to heart. May it change our lives. May it change our approach to the rest of our lives. 
Help us to realize that our lives on this planet as followers of Jesus is for us to serve. To serve you first and foremost. Not just to do the things that we want to do, but to serve you to use the resources you've given to us to benefit you and your kingdom. Help us to understand how to do that. Give us wisdom. Give us guidance, we pray. May we keep in mind that each and every person, ourselves, and everyone else on this planet one day is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Many don't understand that. We pray, God, you give us opportunities to share the truth that they might prepare for judgment day by giving their lives to you. We thank you for the reward that you have for your servants in eternity, far beyond our ability to comprehend or understand. Eternity with you will be incredibly better than anything we could imagine, and eternity without you will be incredibly worse than anything we could ever imagine. Help us to keep those two pictures in mind for ourselves and for those that are around us. May we share the good news of the gospel, that people might be rescued from a fate that's unimaginable in eternity, that they might spend eternity with you and other believers in a new heavens and new earth, something so wonderful we can't completely imagine it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.